0: This podcast is hosted by a child sexual abuse and rape survivor who has also experienced homelessness, physical and emotional abuse, suicide attempts, and other traumatic events. Although Jess speaks with tenderness and charity on these subjects, some may find the content uncomfortable to listen to. If you are sensitive to these types of life experiences, we encourage you to pause this podcast and read the show notes for the particular episode to decide if you would like to continue. You're listening to the Divine Wisdom from the Kitchen podcast, hosted by Jess Echeverry, wife to a Catholic deacon, mother to five children, and dog mom to English Bulldogs Chulo and Duke, as well as a survivor, speaker, woman and family advocate, and author. A convert to the faith, Jess goes beyond the class curriculum or church document and invites you to a conversation about our daily faith walk, our relationship with Christ and the church, and everything else in between. It's a heart-to-heart that leaves you with a good feeling in your soul. And now without further ado, here's Jess.
1: And welcome to the fifth episode in my Linton podcast series, Finding the Key to Perfect Forgiveness. Thank you so much for joining me. Today I will talk about the final, the fourth phase of the forgiveness cycle that we have been going through. And uh, the fourth and final phase, this phase is called the dignity of the human person and perfect forgiveness. This is the last phase. Um, quick note, if this is the first time you're tuning in, I do suggest you pause this episode And go back and start at the beginning of this Lenten podcast series so that you can get the full context and understanding of the different phases of this forgiveness cycle that we've been speaking about. And I promise, I promise, I promise, you will not be disappointed. It's well worth it. So let's get into it. Phase four, the final phase. Yay! So remember, we're coming from phase three. And in phase three, we've done everything that the world has asked us to do, right? We've even encountered Christ, maybe at the end of that, because unless we encounter Christ, um, then we are not going to go into phase four. I want to make that perfectly clear. Phase four, dignity of the human person and perfect forgiveness can only happen in your relationship with God, the son, Jesus Christ. Right. Um, so that's super important to know this is a Christian thing. Okay. So, um, which is great because this is the promise that he gave us. Right. And so we get to, to reap that gift, to reap that reward, to receive that gift from him, and that is perfect forgiveness. So phase four, we are actively in our relationship with Christ, and because of this relationship, whether we fully understand him or not, whether we struggle with our relationship with Christ and his church, doesn't matter. If we are actively in this relationship and our heart desires to continue to be in that relationship, then we are capable of of moving into phase four, which is dignity of the human person and perfect forgiveness. So let's talk about the first part of phase four, which is this dignity of the human person. And I have to speak on my own experience here that before I became a Catholic Christian, um, I never heard the words human dignity together ever in a conversation, in a book, in anything. Um, I just I never heard the phrase human dignity when I became a Catholic. That's when I started hearing it. But honestly, I I heard it in like curriculum models and encyclicals and church documents, you know, those types of things. It was never something that I just kind of heard casually conversation, maybe over a cup of coffee. And but the church is teaching on human dignity. Um, It was it was it's that teaching that God put into my heart and allowed me to truly understand and learn. And that is that we are all um, created by God in his image and that we carry in all of us, regardless of action, word um, or 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 thought, you know, we carry that dignity of our human person, regardless base solely on the fact that God created us in his image. And so nobody can take your dignity away. Nobody can. Nobody has the power to do that. Now, for me, learning that for the first time, for me, that looked like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. I was created by God. That was pretty mind-blowing for me. You know, I spent my whole life not thinking I w- I spent my whole life thinking I wasn't worth anything. You know, I used my body in terrible ways. It was used and abused. I, and because of this, I felt shame. You know, I made decisions such as abortion, which brought a lot of shame on me. So I was the opposite of feeling dignified. I felt the opposite of that. I felt I spent most of my life feeling shameful, right? And so learning that, wait a minute. First of all, I found Jesus. I found him in the Catholic Church. And then in this relationship with him, he's revealing to me who I am. I am a daughter of the king. I am dignified because I was created by God and I was made in his image. I'm this little beautiful piece of God. And when I started realizing that, I was I was blown away by this teaching. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know. Everybody needs to know this, how special and beautiful and dignified each and every one of us are. But here's the thing with me having learned that about myself. The more I learned about that teaching, the more I started to realize that, wait a minute, there's nothing more special about me than this person who I'm upset at. Or this person walking down the street. Or even this person in jail. Or this person who's the president of the United States. It doesn't matter. Every single one of us human beings carries that same amount of dignity because each one of us was created by God. We are his creation. And what hit me was, wait a minute. If I feel this way about myself, if God feels this way about me, well, then that means it has to apply to each and every other person. And that was a big deal for me. That was when I started to understand that that things outside of me carried the same amount of weight and dignity and importance and specialness. So I, I was beginning to grapple with that. And what kicked it off for me was... Um, our family was at a homeschool um, conference one time and there was a speaker speaking and I was sitting there listening to the speaker and I just kind of felt this push. And I looked back and all against the wall in this big um, conference hall were priests lined up like for confession. They were just sitting there waiting for people to come up for confession. And I I felt moved to go to confession. And so I just looked at my husband. I said, hey, I'm going to go back for confession. He's like, sure, no problem. I go back there. Um, I sit down because it's basically face to face. It's two chairs. You know, the priest is sitting in one and then about three feet away, you're sitting in front of him facing one another. And I began to confess um, my anger, my hatred, my wanting these people to be dead and being haunted by the people who raped and molested me and beat me to a pulp while I was pregnant. I mean, just all of the abuse that I suffered, all of these people who truly harmed and traumatized and wounded me, I still, I still hated deeply. I had forgiven in phase three, right? I had forgiven myself and I had forgiven the situations to the point where I can function. And I felt a little bit better and more normal. But truth be told, I still had ill feelings, you know, didn't want anything to do with, as a matter of fact, hated and wanted to see something bad happen to all the people who caused me these wounds. And I unloaded everything onto that priest. I told him everything that happened to me and how I felt about it. And after I got done sharing my soul to him, he looked at me and he said, do you love them? And when he said that inside of me, I I was just like, um, I'm sorry, excuse me, father. Uh, say what? What did you say? And a part of me got angry. It was like, how dare you? A part of me reacted inside like, I just bared my soul to you and all of my deepest wounds and, 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 but you look at me and you ask me, do I love them? That's what I wanted to say, right? That was the, that was me as Jessica, this wounded human being. That was my answer. That's not what came out because I looked into that priest's eyes and I saw love and I saw truth I saw Jesus Christ that's what I saw and when I looked into that priest's eyes because he asked me that question as Jesus and that's what I saw I knew immediately that the answer I should should say that I should want to say is yes father I love them but I couldn't my heart was not in that place I knew that that's what I was supposed to say. That's what Jesus wanted me to say. And I looked at the priest and I said, no, Father, I don't. And then he backed that up with, do you want to see them in heaven? And that's when I just, I did this. I just laughed. Are you crazy? Like, what is this? Am I imagining this right now? No, but again, I looked into those eyes and I saw the love and truth of Jesus Christ. And again, I knew that the answer to that question is supposed to be yes, but that I could not honestly sit there and say yes to him. And I said, no, Father, no, I don't. And then I broke down and I said, how do I get there? How how does that happen? Like, what do I do in order to say yes? And that's when he looked at me and he said, you pray. Now, at first when he said this, I I have to admit, I was like, oh my gosh, you're kidding. Come on, give me something more than... That You know, do you guys understand what I'm feeling here? It's like, you know how you have those conversations like, oh, I'll pray for you or oh, just pray about that. And a lot of times we say that or we feel like people are saying that to us as kind of like just this thing to say but not like really to do and believe in, right? Like at that moment, I, I, I was looking for something more tangible. Like I was looking for boxes to check, like make me do 500 Hail Marys or like something absurd that would take me a lifetime, right? I didn't care. But just like pray, that's it? Like give me something more. And he looked at me, he said, whenever you have those bad thoughts whenever you have those triggers whenever you have a flashback whenever you're struggling with this hate in your heart whenever those moments come come up for you god is giving you an opportunity to pray for them and to help heal them who man let me just tell you what i i i felt like I don't know what I felt like. I just, I was like, okay, you know, I finished my confession and I walked away from that confession. Absolutely sure that I had, that I had received truth and love, but not confident at all that I would be able to do any of that and that that could be accomplished. But I knew because I, I trusted Jesus and he had brought me into his, his church and I needed to be obedient to that. Even the things that I didn't understand, even the things I didn't feel like I believed in at the time, I needed to be obedient to him and his church. And so I did. Um, I went to daily mass and I would um, receive the Eucharist. And after receiving communion, I would kneel. And look, I'm not going to lie. At first, it was like I couldn't even get the words out. I couldn't even get them, not out of my mouth, but not even out of my heart. It was like a brain thing. It was like I was basically like telling Jesus just in my brain, like, look, you know why I'm here. you know, you know what I'm trying to do here. Just help me out. Give me some grace or something so that I can do this because I couldn't even get the words out of my heart. Um but eventually I did. Um, I every day daily Mass, after receiving the Eucharist, kneeling down, and slowly my heart would soften. Slowly I would get to the point where you know I couldn't say it out loud. Now my heart was saying, "Okay, Lord, I'm. I, I want to pray for them. I would think about them. Um, I would ask God to heal them. I would ask Him to turn my stony heart to flesh, to um, to make me like Him. You know, that's that's what I would ask for, and to forgive them and. I would eventually, I came to the point of praying the prayer that I wanted to love them like he loves me and that I wanted to see them in heaven. And that took about a good year, year and a half before that actually became the prayer that I would pray. Um, And that's what I would pray every day. And then about two years after that confession, I was at, um, holy mass and I received the Eucharist and I was kneeling down after communion and prayer and I began praying for them doing that prayer for them and then all of a sudden I felt a strong sense of sorrow of sadness and it just came over me and it took me very very deeply it was I was thinking of them and I was praying for them but In my heart, I was scared and I was concerned. I was afraid maybe they had died and their soul didn't make it to heaven. Maybe I was too late in, in, in praying for them, that, the idea of that. Maybe um, they're being harmed in some way or maybe they're suffering or maybe they're in torment or turmoil or maybe they're away from God. Every worry and concern that I had for my own children and for my own husband, for the people that I loved with all my heart, now I felt towards them. And I was feeling this sorrow and this sadness, and I was feeling it for them. And at first it was like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. No, Lord, please save them, help them, love them, keep them safe. You know, I'm feeling this, I'm praying this for them. And then all of a sudden I realize I'm feeling this for them. And now I just become full of joy. And I'm just ecstatic because I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It happened. It happened. You did this, Lord. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And then I just I just knelt down there just astounded at just the the possibilities of God. You know, what we feel is impossible, that that can't be done. That's what that's what all the miracles in in scripture are are, are trying to convey to us is that outside of any power that we even think that we have. The power of God makes the impossible possible. It's how Jesus Christ who died. Was raised from the dead. And was resurrected. This is what is now flooding through me. This joy in the truth. Of the power and the possibility. Of our God. And it was freeing. And it was amazing. And it was the best feeling that I've ever felt and I didn't believe it could happen I admit it when I left that confession two years prior I did not believe that just by praying I would be able to get to be able to kneel down in confession and say honestly wholeheartedly authentically yes lord I love them. And yes, Lord, I absolutely want to see them in heaven. And here I was. Sorry. (laughs) Here I was completely dazzled by our Lord and the grace that he allowed me to receive and the perfectness of forgiveness that he had brought me to. And that that is when i realized that this is a this is a this is a place that god is calling all of us to it's a place that we are all being called to and the only way you can get to it is in your relationship with jesus christ it's the only way but but Once you get into that relationship with Jesus Christ, and once you allow yourself to believe who you are, right, and the dignity that you hold. And then once you believe that about yourself and you are able to apply it to everybody else, then what you've done is you've allowed your heart and your mind to be completely open and free For the grace of God to come in and fill it fully with his perfectness and in that perfect forgiveness. For the first time, right? For the first time, our intentions, our thoughts, our love, our desires are now turned outside of ourselves, right? They're fully and completely outside of ourselves and for the person who has offended us. Throughout the entire forgiveness and healing cycle so far, you have to think about we've focused solely on ourselves. But now, okay, now we are called to pray for those who hurt us, who have hurt us, And how brilliant is it, if you think about it, how brilliant is it that God has healed our own image because that's what's required before we can move on to others outside of us. God has healed our own image and is now asking our help, right? He's calling us. He's saying, hey, how about you help in healing those who've harmed you as well? They need you. Remember in... The first episode, when we were talking about um, phase one, and I asked you to imagine a pie, right? You know, in math, you have the, the pie charts. And this forgiveness cycle has four phases. So you, you cut the pie into four slices. And right at the top in the middle is the offense. It's the wound. It's the bad thing that's happened to you, right? There are two people there at least, right? There's a minimum of two people. There is the offender and there is the offended, right? And when we start moving clockwise around this pie, around this circle, right? Like I said earlier, like a clock, um, we go through it and our attention, our focus is ourselves, right? And it's supposed to be that way because we've got to get ourselves in order. We have to prepare our own hearts, right? Scripture even tells us, you know, to do that before we go out and judge or look or, or, or think about other people, other things outside of us, right? It's all about us. And as we move through this cycle, it's all about ourselves until we get to the final quadrant, the final stretch, it is the part that connects us that completes the circle. It is where the offended and the offender are now both being reconciled to God in the actions of Jesus Christ. Now I say in the actions of Jesus Christ because this perfect forgiveness comes from Jesus Christ. It is the example that he set. How did he set that example? He was arrested unfairly. He was beaten. He was whipped. He was spit on. He was mocked. He deserved none of it, right? He was jailed. He was scourged. His flesh ripped off his body, beaten, bloody. He was crowned with thorns. He was made to carry his own tree, to carry it up a hill after having suffered all of that beating and pain to his human body. He was nailed to the cross. I don't think we stop and we truly meditate on the pain involved with driving nails through the human body. I don't think we do do that for a second. He was nailed to the cross and then lifted up, lifted up and left to die. That my friends is called the passion of Jesus Christ. And you want to talk about having suffered wounds, These are all wounds Jesus suffered and he didn't even deserve them. They weren't even his. They're ours. They're our sin. Our sin wounded him. And what did he do? He forgave us. He forgives us. It's a constant, right? He died on the cross but before he died on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Luke twenty three thirty four. Father, forgive them. He was taking the offender and he was bringing it together with the offended and praying. So that they would both be reconciled with God. That is the example. That is the example of perfect forgiveness, right? Matthew 5, 48 says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And we have Jesus Christ hanging, dying on the cross, giving us that perfect example of the forgiveness that God is calling us to. And so here we have, God has brought us full circle into his perfect forgiveness. And what started with our offender must now end with them. I know that's hard to hear, but it must now end with them as well. And in this phase, we are called to pray. Prayer is the answer. Prayer shows God the desires of our heart. That's what it does. We're called to pray for our offenders. We need to pray that they're forgiven by God for their offenses. And that God will bring them into eternal life in heaven with him. We're praying for the good of their souls. We're praying for their eternal salvation. That's what we're praying for. That, that, my dear friends, that is unconditional love and perfect forgiveness. And that is phase 4. Phase 4 is about acting in love like Christ and finding perfect love, perfect forgiveness, acknowledging the dignity of the human person of our offenders. Now, I did want to clarify. This is there is a mistake that a lot of people make in believing That this forgiveness that we've achieved, this perfect forgiveness, somehow justifies the traumatic event, right? Or that it makes it go away or it's now considered no longer a big deal, right? It downplays it or doesn't make it, it doesn't acknowledge the truth of what happened. That's not true. And there also may be um, a mistaken notion that like in order to love or forgive anyone, or someone that that offender that person who's wounded you that they must be an active part in your life or in your personal life none of that is true that's not true and I want to I want to state that and make that perfectly clear that that is not at all what I'm talking about um I haven't seen my offenders haven't spoken to them haven't none none um since my woundedness um the action of our wound will always exist. The action of being raped will always be a part of who I am. That you can't take that away. It's, it's done. <laughs> it's in the past and it actually happened. So the action of it never changes, right? If it happened, it will always exist. How we feel about it how it affects us, and what we say and do because of that action. Those are all things that can be changed. Those are all things that can be healed and redeemed, right? So to love somebody is to want what's good for them. Regardless of whether you ever see or speak to them again. That's absolutely not necessary. It is the desire in your heart for love and goodness for that person. It's thinking about that person and praying for God to forgive them, to bless them, to heal them, to welcome them into heaven. And none of that requires any type of personal relationship with them. I would like to close today's episode with just a quick prayer, a quick prayer for all of you out there who are suffering, no matter what phase you're in, phase one, two, three, even four, if you've found that joy of perfect forgiveness. I'd like to say a quick prayer for, for all of you out there. Lord, Heavenly Father, I come to you today with my full heart and thanksgiving, And thanksgiving for the forgiveness, the perfect forgiveness that you have been able to show me and to allow me to feel. And Lord, I beg of you, Lord. I beg of you to touch each and every one of my listeners' hearts today, Lord. Touch them with your grace. Fill them with your love and mercy. And no matter what phase they're in, Lord, help them grab their hand, walk with them, journey with them, into the next phase so that their relationship with you grows stronger and stronger with each new day. God, I come to you today in prayer of thanksgiving for the people who've harmed me, for the people who wounded and created so much trauma in my life. Lord, you know my heart loves them. And you know I want to see them in heaven, and I ask, Lord, protection over them. And for all of the people who need our prayers in order for their hearts and their lives to be reconciled with you. We love you. We adore you. We glorify you, O Lord, in your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today and I pray you'll join me next week as we close up this beautiful Lenten podcast series Finding the Key to Perfect Forgiveness. God bless you.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and spread the word. Tell your friends and family on social media to leave us a five-star review. Make sure to check the show notes for helpful links about topics discussed in this episode. Jess's latest book, Dazzled, finding the key to perfect forgiveness is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Balboa Press, as well as momaletics.com. That's m-o-m-m-a-l-e-t-i-c-s.com, where you can also connect with her directly. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time for more heart-to-heart and good feelings in your soul on divine wisdom from the kitchen.